Good morning and welcome to the 7 a.m. Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Amy G and I'm a recovered compulsive reader from Maryland. Today's date is Thursday, June 3rd, 2021. And today we are reading in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We are on page two, reading the first paragraph starting with selfishness and self-centeredness. Dot, dot, dot. Today's readers are, and thank you for Team Thursday, Leon B., Deanna P., Barbara E., Andrea B., Tanya G., Karen K. is our newcomer greeter, and Nancy P. will be our host for the second unrecorded hour. The reference numbers for yesterday, Wednesday, June 2nd, 2021, 7 a.m., 17,601. That's 17601. And for the 10 a.m. meeting yesterday, 17,602. That's 17602. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Andrea B. to read the 12 steps. Go ahead, Andrea. Good morning. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And I pass. Thank you so much, Andrea. I will now ask 
for Tanya G. to read the 12 Traditions. Go ahead, Tanya. Good morning, everyone. 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a great purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the Ludwell Press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you so much, Tanya. Well, I bet you all want to know how our meeting works. Well, our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. If you go over, you'll hear me say time. Singleness of purpose reminds us to please identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute, Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. So today we resume our study in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We are on page 62 on that first paragraph and I'm going to ask Leon B to get us started. Go ahead, Leon. Good morning, this is Leon B, gratefully recovered in Simpsonville, South Carolina. Selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our troubles, driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity, we step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us, seemingly without provocation, but we invariably find that at some time in the past, we have made decisions based on self, which later placed us in a position to be hurt. The first thing that I thought about when I read this paragraph this time was for some reason my fourth step inventory. We invariably find that at some time in the past, invariably is always. 
And when I went through that four-step inventory and I went down that first column, what did they do to you? Talk about resentments here. I went down that second column. No, I'm sorry. Who hurt you? First column. Second column, what did they do to you? Third column, how did it affect you? And when I got to that fourth column, where we look at where were we selfish, where were we dishonest, where did we get the ball rolling? For some reason, this pops up because almost invariably, always, there was something in each of those resentments, even in each of those fears, even in each of my sexual harms, I had always done something based on self. And in the entire fourth column, it was selfishness, selfishness, selfishness. And I saw this pattern. Even, and I'm going to give an example. I was, my, I really was disgusted with the son, with the mother of my oldest son. We fought for years and years and years, and she was top on my resentment. And when I put her name down, and when I put she withheld my son from me, when I put how it hurt me, my self-esteem, everything in life, how it bothered me. But when I got to that fourth step and said, now what could I have possibly done? Could it have been that I took a very young girl who was 18, fresh out of her mother's home, and did something to her and got her pregnant and then left her all alone to raise that child? And then when I decided to get my life right, now I want to come back into the child's life not even considering all those years that she had spent by herself trying to raise this infant at the ripe young age of 18. Did I not hurt her in some way? Did I not step on her? And I'm telling you, that was revelational, that I had been the one, even though there have been things that she had done wrong, but I set that entire ball in motion. And when I was able to sit down with her and have lunch with her, we, we both apologized to each other. But it was that first step of me saying I was looking out for myself. This stuff uncovers, uncovers, I can't remember how it goes, but I love it, uncover to discard. And our relationship is much better today. And our son, he is shocked at times when he sees us talking to each other. That is the power in these in these steps. And I know we're not even in the fourth step, but this is what I thought of this morning and I passed it back. Thank you so much, Leon, for getting us started. Okay, we were ready to take some names for those who would like to share. And if you shared in the last three days, we ask that although we appreciate your experience, strength, and hope, to please let others share their experience, strength, and hope. So who would like to share? Anna M. from Boston. Anna M. Barbara E. Adriana P. Sienna. Sienna P. Is it Deanna P? Yes. Deanna P. Rick J. I think I missed someone. Anna M. I'm sorry, who was that? Marcia D. I have Melissa C, Marsha D or B. Okay, hold on one sec. I've got Ann M, Katie G, Barb E, Deanna P, Rick J, Melissa C, Marsha D. Was there someone I missed there? Adriana T. Maureen G. That was it, Adriana and Harlan. We're gonna we're gonna hold off there. Okay. 
Let me repeat. Ann M, Katie G, Barbara E, Deanna P, Rick J, Melissa C, Marsha D, Adriana P, and Harlan G. If I missed you, I'll get you the next round. Thank you so much. Ann M, please go ahead. You have the floor. Hi, good morning. This is Anna M from Connecticut. Thank you for your service and thank you to the reader that read the reading. What hit me between the eyes is that didn't didn't we get the ball rolling? Like that's the money maker for me today. Like to realize that all the people that that were in my life that wrecked my life, really they were in my life because I had them in my life and I started it like it and to look at that and to own it and to write it out in the fourth step and tell my sponsor, tell, tell somebody else and God, and then to make it right now today, earlier, I just wrote out a whole bunch of stuff and it, it reminded me of all these things that I had done in the past. Everybody else was the problem. And I was the queen of, you know, beauty, really, or, you know, just, but to, to this, these steps are so incredible. And to be able to live a different life, if I look back, I've been in this um, group for like eight years or so. And to look back at my life and to see the re- what wreckage I caused before and now today, being a new person that God gave me my life back it's it's so incredible and to own and be responsible for the past and the wreckage and now you know I could look at these people that I have wronged and and honestly be a better human being a better creation of God and um, to just function in a better capacity this program is such a gift and the people in it. I've met so many people over the years in this program and I'm so blessed and honored to be a part of a vision for you. So I thank you all for your service. Thank you everyone for being on the line. This is Anna M from Connecticut and with that I pass. Thanks, Ann. Okay, Katie G. You're up. Hey, Amy G, thanks for taking the meeting. Katie G recovered in Boston. There are a lot of keywords I want to <clears throat> focus in on. Um, the first one is root. So root is the support, the origin, which gives me all my nourishment. If you're out there thinking this is a selfish program, it's not a selfish program. This is a program for selfish people. If you don't know about that, come to this chapter. And if you don't think, a lot of times I'll hear people say, well, I just think I'm not a good person. Right, but if you do a pie graph, right, and you look at how often you're thinking about yourself and how bad of a person you are and compared to the rest of us, that is selfishness. And I had to realize that coming in because a lot of times you'll hear, oh, as compulsive eaters, we're not that bad. We're not that bad. I'm not here to say you're bad. We're sick, right? It's telling me I'm not just a little selfish. It's telling me my core, my origin is driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion. I'm not in denial, folks. I'm in delusional thinking, which is false psychotic belief, self-seeking, self-pity, and then I get angry when people snub me, but I've been snubbing people my whole life, right? And so this is where 
Bill and, and, and our four whatever um, created the crisis within us, right? Like we're only on, we haven't even said the third step prayer, right? No, we haven't even said it yet. So we're on step two, hold your horses. We're, we're being driven to see what I have been taught is the second surrender, and that's not about the food. That's about the fact that in a state of entire abstinence, in a state of, of, of sanity, quote unquote, I will drive myself crazy thinking that everything is about me, right? Like I have a fear. And so everything is about me. You're farting, you're burping, you're, you're doing whatever. It's all about me. And then ultimately, my thinking is so bad that the only thing I can do is eat. And thank you, God, today, thank you, God, for today, contingent on the maintenance of my spiritual condition, which I do by the grace of God, I'm abstinent today, right? And I have a shot of being taken away from this woman. But, like, even recently, like, I'm recovered, folks, and I still have thoughts like, am I doing this? How can I best serve thee? Am I doing this? How can I best serve thee? Or am I doing this? How can I best serve husband? So husband gives me what I want. So I'm safe and secure. And I'm in delusional thinking. So I just want you to know, like, I'm recovered today. And all that means is I have to watch, wash, rinse, repeat, entire abstinence, rinse, repeat. And remember that the main problem is in my mind. This is why I can never be without a sponsor. Because selfishness, self-centeredness, that is the root of my mind. And I need a power greater than me and y'all to stay healthy and get there without a cost. Thank you so much, Katie. Okay. Up next is Barbara E. Go ahead, Barbara. Good morning, everyone. Wow, wow. My selfishness always wanting you to follow my script. You're entitled to your opinion, but you must realize my opinion was right. And if you didn't follow my script, I got angry and argumentative. How could you not see that I knew what was best for you? One minute thinking I was better than you, and the next minute knowing I was so much worse. That was my ego edging God out. The perfect definition of a binge. My, my binge, because I'm not good enough. Thinking only of my needs and certainly not yours wanting you to like me, validate me, and fearful you'd see the monster under my mask. Being a people pleaser was my way of manipulating you so you do what I want. I buried my feelings, my anger, my self-pity, not recognizing that feelings buried alive never die. And finally coming to believe there truly was a power that might save me and restore me to sanity and would walk with me if I humbly asked him. But first I had to go through the the OA Rehab 12-step program with my sponsor every day and cooperate by going to these therapy sessions with my fellows in this on our journey. Because up to this point, I was always on a collision course with someone or something, stepping on people's toes, because my life had been a me program, but my sponsor told me I had to turn it into a we program to stop making decisions based on self. I had to learn who I really was and identify my toxic thinking and behaviors and pray for this power to relieve me of my shortcomings, my controlling, my mental master planning, my writing scripts in my head, blaming others for my unhappiness, 
and my fear of and accepting, finally, I'm not perfect. I'm just a work in progress, but not stagnating, slowly moving forward, learning that my true self-worth no longer should depend on whether you like me, but on how well I like my new evolving self. And to let the day's outcome unfold as God would have it be, to suit up and show up and do the footwork and then wait for God to guide me, to remove my soul sickness, to make God the captain of my ship and keep my ego small and leave my ongoing journey to God, waking up each morning and saying, good morning, God. I look forward to learning what you have planned for me, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you so much, Ipad. Thank you, Barbara. Deanna P., it's your turn. Please go ahead. Good morning. May I be heard? You can. Thank you very much. Good morning, everyone. My name is Deanna P., and I'm gratefully recovered in Wilmington, Delaware, one day at a time. Um, yeah, this um, the whole idea of um, we've made decisions based on self that placed us in a position to be hurt. And someone earlier mentioned get, getting the ball rolling because that's one of the questions. Like, how did I get this whole thing? What was my part, you know? in the step four work and um i it's surprise it, it doesn't surprise me why people get to step four and they and they're really uh don't want to do the work because it's requiring me to be very self-honest and to really really take a look at just what my part was in the relationships around my life and i you know, since I've come through the steps, and I, you were always going back through them, right? Um, and every morning I wake up with ego, and every morning um, I I get another opportunity to die to self. Um, and how will I pick the ball up and not even let it roll? <laughs> how will I not even let it roll, God? How what? How can I just hold on to the ball? And yesterday. Um, it came up, it came up and my husband and I were talking about my daughter's overtime and she's 30 years old. She can do whatever she wants with her money. And um, she said to me, well, mom, I do have to pay for my Botox. And I didn't say anything to her. And I, and I brought it up with my, my husband and I were just talking about her overtime or whatever. And I started to say something and I said, you know what, babe, she can do whatever she wants with her face with her money because she's 30 years old. And I said, this is so freeing, isn't it? I said, 37 years of marriage, how much time and energy do we waste talking about other people's decisions about what they were doing with their life and what we thought of what they were doing with their life together. And I said, we don't do that anymore. And that was a miracle shared between the two of us. And I was just like, this is how program works. It affects not just me, but my marriage and my family, my daughter without even knowing it. And uh, that's the miracle of the 12 steps. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Deanna. Rick J., please go ahead. It's your turn. 
Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Rick Jay. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Cary, North Carolina. And this is such a powerful paragraph for me. I, um, I read this and, you know, immediately I feel a lot of gratitude that I am in a position now where I can truly see how my hundred forms of fear and self-delusion, self-seeking, self-pity have driven me, have created this this ego like monster that I had to find my way in life the best way I could. And what I would do is do anything that I needed to do to get what I wanted or felt I needed. And, you know, one of the saddest things, you know, that, uh, that this perspective has given me is, you know, that my part in this, that we are invited to look at that, as Leon was pointing out in this step for inventory in this fourth column, you know, is, is this, these, um, this role that I played, these mistakes I made, these things that I did have created this situation where people are retaliating. And it was at the time I didn't even realize it. Most of the time I didn't see how I was hurting them. I was just getting what I needed getting what I wanted and I hurt people and they retaliated. And in my mind, all I could see is them hurting me. And I, um, I'm also aware that when we go to this stage of the book, you know, and we're looking at this, we've just learned all about being, you know, powerless and that we have an obsession of the mind and we have, a uh, physical allergy, which when I was first reading about that, I was like, you know what, that makes sense. And I felt like, okay, I'm not alone. And I really, I, I uh, I'm, can't change that I have this, you know, and looking at all my self will then as they're inviting us to do now, how I've put myself in a position to hurt others and to be hurt. Um, now I'm having to take a lot of responsibility for that, but they are telling me I'm not having to do that alone. You know, I know that there's a, a higher power out there who I believe in and trust in, and I've made this decision to go forward. But now I'm going forward with others looking at myself, and, and it's a hard look, but we're not doing it alone, and we're doing it so that we can be of maximum service to ourselves and to others and specifically to God to get through this, to, to actually achieve freedom by looking at this. But I'm very, very grateful. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Rick. All right. Melissa C., please go ahead. It's your turn. Hi. Good morning, Amy. Thank you so much for your service this morning. My name is Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I live in New York. And <clears throat> really good shares this morning and just thinking about, um, you know, that this is the root of my trouble. Like, so not food, not weight, not obesity, like not diets, but like the actual root, the, the, the beginning of all my troubles is that I think, you know, that I'm in charge of me and my life. And, you know, I'm selfish and I'm self-centered and, you know, this idea of being driven by fear, like that fear is, um, is, is like, is driving me around, is like, is, is dictating all 
that I do. It's it's seeing how I how I view the world and you know, I I look at this and I think, well, I'm a good person though, you know, and this is this is like um you know, I'm entitled to be afraid. Like don't, you know, don't doesn't everybody understand that I had really hard things happen to me, you know. And um and yeah, no joke, right? Just like so many people. In fact, like I still have hard things happen to me. We still have these things. This is this is showing me why it is that turning it over to God, like we're sort of getting this ready to take that step. My foot is like in the air right now, kind of dangling between two and three. And it's giving me this like reason why I'm going to want to put my foot down on that next step. Because when I'm in control of my life, fear is like running the show and I'm making things really hard for myself. I'm self-seeking, you know, and those are the things I do to get my needs met. And they feel like they're valid. You know, like I look I look at like, you know, like today, right, my mom's having some, some mental decline and you know, my daughter's not doing what she, what I want her to do, and and I'm afraid, right? And so I do things um, for self-seeking purposes because I want to fix them. I want to be God. And you know what's delusional about this? I don't know what's right for anybody. Like I barely know what's right for me. And when I live in fear and self-delusion, I perceive that all the things that are around me are things that. I'm supposed to change, that I'm supposed to do something about. And then I get plagued with self-pity. You know, and self-pity is different from grief because it shuts the door on other people having an ability to have a say or an, or a feeling themselves. It's all about me. And And you know what? When you live that way, you piss people off and they don't like it. And that's why we need God. Mm-hmm. And thanks. With that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Melissa. Okay, Marsha D., you have the floor. Please go ahead. Okay, good morning. Can I be heard? Very well. Excellent. Well, good morning, OA family. I am Marsha D. in Ohio, and I am a recovering compulsive reader. By the grace of God, 42 days abstinent, and uh, working through the steps, learning how to do step 10 today with my sponsor. So this passage really speaks to me. The line that grips me is the last one. Invariably, we find at some point in the past, we have made decisions based on self, which later placed us in a position to be hurt. I had a what I consider now, as I look at it, a traumatic event over the weekend with my sister. And my brother and I have stood in judgment of my, my three sisters. We've called them the Twisted Sisters. And reading this passage today, I see how a lot of my life's been absorbed by self-pity. Why do I have to be in this family? They're all toxic. And you know what? It hit me between the eyes this morning during my prayer and meditation. Darn it if I'm not one of the twisted sisters. Darn it if I'm not self-pitying. Darn it if I'm not also toxic at times in my own behavior. So where do I go with this? Well, I'm inventorying it. I'm going to share it. I'm learning how to do this and not dwell on the story. And it's hard because I've spent my whole life dwelling on the story. You know what they did to me? Look what they did to me. And today I'm having to realize, darn it, what have I done to them? What have I done to my own children? And it's not pretty. Um, It's not pretty. So I'm grateful, though, 
be able to see this today because root and branch, I want this crap out of me. And I also want to go forward in God's love and light. And I want to help people, especially my own family. So I'm praying, you know, in the past I would have written my sister off. I'm praying because people have had the grace and mercy not to write me off that I can find God's counsel here and see what I'm to do. You know, maybe detaching is okay, but not writing her off. So, um, wow, just amazing how these pages come alive. Thank you for, for listening and for all the shares. And I pass. Thank you so much, Marsha. Okay, Adriana P., it's your turn. Please go ahead. Hi, thanks, Amy. This is Adriana. Adriana, I lost you. You were there and then you weren't there. Oh, I got Adriana? muted. Oh, I'm there back. You are. You're back. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, Thanks for ahead. your service, Amy. This is Adriana, Recovered Compulsive Reader in Michigan. And um, this paragraph really hit me because I just, in the beginning, like reading this paragraph, selfishness, self-centered, feeling like Bill was like screaming these words. Um, and I definitely was very defensive very afraid (laughs) of this paragraph and just um, kind of like, how do you figure, you know? Um, And I just was kind of initially thinking about all the things I've done in my life for other people and, you know, how great I am and how could I possibly be selfish? You know, in, in fact, I was the one that was surrounded by selfish people And so it kind of really took me a long time to, like, accept this. But um, now kind of, like, fast forward to the present, I, like, love looking at, okay, what is going on with me? What am I doing that's, you know, contributing to this disturbance? You know, what is it in my thinking? And, you know, it's just such a blessing to have the 10 steps. And, you know, really, like, where this started off being this examining ourselves, like, started off being so scary for me I now see it as such a blessing because you know I don't want to be at odds with people in my life I've spent years trying to figure out like what's wrong with me what's wrong with them and to kind of have this solution that oh you need to keep the focus on yourself stop looking at everyone else stop pointing your finger at everyone else and look at what you're doing And I think, like, for me, being in this fog of selfishness, which is just the core of me, like this paragraph says, I can't see where I'm hurting other people. Um, I can't see it. And so I feel like the help of this program and the fellows in the program that, you know, help me see my part is just amazing. Um, Yeah, just every day I kind of see little things like, someone talked about like, oh, that person's not following my script or, oh, you know, that person said this thing and that made me uncomfortable. Like I'm not necessarily angry at them, but that made me uncomfortable. Or like I did several 10 steps when I first started this program and became abstinent just on, oh, I'm worried about my weight. Well, that's self-centered. Get off about the weight. It's not about the weight. Or, oh, I'm worried about my food plan. Oh, that's self-centered. Do a 10-step. Get off that. 
And it took a while to do that and, um, you know, to get that kind of defect out of me. But it was so helpful because I felt so, like, enslaved to, like, my weight and the food and other people. And this is just freedom. And so, yeah, I'm just so grateful for this meeting and so grateful um, for this program. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Perfect timing. Thank you so much, Adriana. Okay, Harlan G., it's your turn. Please go ahead. Thank you very much, Amy, and thanks for your service, and thanks for making this magnificent meeting possible. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I live in Scottsdale, Arizona. I was born with three basic instincts of life, the social instinct, the sex instinct, and the security instinct. And from the moment I was born, my ego told me, my fear told me, my self-centeredness told me I wasn't getting my fair shot. Somebody was getting a cookie that was bigger than mine. Somebody was getting a toy that was newer and better than mine. And I was jealous and I was angry and I was very, very fearful. Never realizing in a million years how much this weight problem that I had was driven by the buildup of these emotions. 100% of the reason that I was eating like a banshee was because I was getting something from that food, an effect that Dr. Silkworth says that I couldn't get anywhere else. And then the allergy came in. But what I didn't understand was how the self-delusion what is self-delusion? The lies I tell myself. I go to page 570 in Appendix 3, and Dr. Bauer, this is in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, Appendix 3. It says in the second sentence of this paragraph, it's uh, actually, it's part of the first sentence, sorry. Alcoholics Anonymous are no crusaders, not a temperance society. They know that they must never drink they help others with similar problems. In this atmosphere, the alcoholic often overcomes his excessive concentration upon himself, learning to depend upon a higher power and absorb himself in his work with other alcoholics. He remains sober day by day. The days add up into weeks, the weeks into months and years. I am not gonna be able to rid myself of this selfishness, this self-seeking, the self-delusion, the self-pity. Oh, I love self-pity. Oh, oh, I love it. Better than, better than Reese's Cups. But almost. But the fact of the matter is, I'm going to have to work the steps to be rid of this. And I don't just mean step three. Step three, I don't do anything. Step three is just an agreement. Step three is just an agreement to do four through 12 every day for the rest of my life. That's what I'm going to embark upon is a series of actions in the steps. And that those actions, when done regularly, will dispel this self-obsession, thereby, therefore driving out the urge to eat compulsively because I will already feel better. And with that, I will pass. Thank you so much, Amy. Thank you, Harlan. Okay, great shares, and we are ready for some more. Who would like to share? Liz T. Morning. Roz G. Dolores. Dolores P. Roz G. 
Brandon Moreno. B. I'm sorry, two people came in at the same time. Can we try again? Brandon B. B. Uh, still didn't Did you get, get Liz T? I got Rose, Rose G. I thought it was Rose. Okay, Rose P. I've got Dolores. I've got Rose. And, and then there's uh, two people. Okay, Pedro. I got you, Pedro. And then there was someone else. Maureen Maureen, I think I heard. Yep, Maureen L. Okay, and Maureen L. Dolores Rose, Pedro, Maureen. Uh, was it Liz? Did we hear Liz? Yep, Liz T. Liz T. There you go. Sorry. Anybody else? Uh, it might be all we have. I'm sorry, who was that? Roy. Ray? Like Rolls-Royce. Like Rolls-Royce. Roy. Oh, Roy. Yeah, gotcha. All right. So I think, I'm not sure we'll have enough time, but let's see. Dolores, Rose, Pedro, Maureen, Liz, and Ray. Okay. Royce. Gotcha. All right, Dolores, please go ahead. Can I not have a Dolores? All right. Go ahead, Rose. Rose, are you there? Do you mean Do you mean Roz? Roz, I beg your pardon. <laughs> Roz, that's go ahead, okay. Please. Uh, uh, that's okay. I've been called Rose many times. Okay. Hi, everybody. My name is Roz, and um, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Palmdale, California. And anytime I get to talk about roots, I want to I want to talk about it um, because, um, as was mentioned before, you know the root. Well, I'll just say I, I'm an avid gardener. I, I love gardening, and um, I can compare what you know what we have to take, what I have to do to take care of the roots of my plant to what I have to take care of the root of my heart. Because I read another book that says, "Out of the heart are the issues of life," and my heart was filled with only what I wanted, me, myself, and I, and. In my um, in my gardening it, over the years, all I wanted was to harvest a crop. I didn't care how I did it. I, all I wanted was to harvest a crop. And I would get these, um, sometimes I wouldn't get uh, a, a yield because I wasn't taking care of the root. And I would get tomatoes that are rotted. It's called uh, bottom rot or blossom rot. And the reason was because I wasn't taking care of the roots. I wasn't putting calcium, eggshells, and stuff there. And so looking at that and then looking at my own heart was just me wanting what I wanted out of life. And so today, I take care of my heart. Like in the morning, I get up and I light my candles in my room and I thank God for another day to be able to serve God. And the actions of my life are so different today than they were back then because all I wanted to do was get ahead. All I wanted to do was get recognized. Social media or, you know, all this stuff. Me, 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 look at what I'm doing, look at what I'm doing. 
because I was so deprived of, it was all myself thinking I wasn't enough. So I had to continue to prove myself. I don't have to do that today. And what can I do to be of service to other people? You know, getting up super early in the morning to go through the big book with people or going spending time with my mother who's 82 years old and doing what, you know, starting a garden in her backyard, <laughs> helping her out, you know. And and now I have a sick dog. You know, what can I do to make her more comfortable? She's Well, I should say an elderly dog. What can I do to make her more comfortable? And my students, what can I do to, to enhance their education? These are the issues of life out of a heart that is being nurtured with the big book, with the steps, with my, with, with my, the, my religious practice. And, and, and out of it, I'm producing much better relationships, abstinence, a healthy body, a healthy mind, friends. Oh, I love it. I, I'm going to pass there. Thank you. Stop. Thank you so much, Ross. Okay, Pedro. Please go ahead. Good morning, everyone. Can you can I be heard? Yes. Go ahead, please. Oh, good morning. Thank you so much for your service, and uh, thanks everyone for sharing your experience, strength, and hope with us. I'm really grateful to be uh, abstinent and to be and to be here today. Uh, you know, uh, a long time ago, uh, one of my sponsors he said, uh, "Go to page 62." That's where the disease is. And, you know, uh, selfishness and self-centeredness that we think is the root of our trouble. Um, you know, and I I need to put this in the I statement, right? Uh, my selfishness, my self-centeredness, that is the root of my trouble. Um, I want what I want when I want it, however much I want it. And I don't care about anybody else says or think. That's selfishness to me. I want to eat what I want to eat when I want to eat it, however much I want to eat it. And I, you know, I just want to satisfy myself. Just want, you know, what I want, and that, you know, and and basically, um, I can continue to live that way, right? But uh, uh, this program uh, teaches me to take contrary action, right? To go, if it's like. This whole thing for me is about change, right? Like I heard a long time ago, there's only one thing you need to change, and that's everything, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so basically, yes, I'm selfish and self-centeredness, but I also have the other side. Uh, I'm, I can also be selfless and think about other people. So this is about change, you know. Later on, uh, the next paragraph talks about self-will run riot. Self will run riot. I, uh, I, I do what I want to do, right? Um, and 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 uh, for me, you know, uh, it says that we must get rid of this selfishness that kills us, and we need God's help. So, uh, you know, I have to look at myself and be honest with myself, which is I, the first and most important spiritual principle of all spiritual principles. That's what my sponsor told me. Huh? To be honest with myself, to see where I need to change. I am selfish and self-centered to the core. I need to become unselfish. So basically, there are two types of thoughts, right? The problem is centered in my mind, right? 
My problems are of my own making. I have positive thinking and I have negative thinking. Which one am I feeding? If I feed my negative side, my negative thinking is going to get stronger. If I if I feed the positive side, it's going to get stronger. So, you know, this is freedom. This gives me freedom because the bottom line for me, for me, for this for, for this gentleman here in San Bernardino, California, okay. is that what am I going to do today? Thank you so much for letting me share. I appreciate you all. Thanks. Have a great day. Thank you so much, Pedro. Okay, Marina, please go ahead. Maureen? Or was it Lauren? Lauren. No, maybe not. Well, I know there was a Liz. So, Liz, please sorry, go ahead. Sorry, please. This, sorry this is Maureen. Oh, uh, Maureen All right, um, Maureen, there you are. Go ahead. Sorry about that. Please go ahead. Um, no, no, no. I'm sorry. This is Maureen L. from Acton, Massachusetts, and just outside of Boston. And um, I I rarely share on this line, but I'm grateful for all the service that's done on it. But I was recently diagnosed with breast cancer, and uh, within the last two weeks, tomorrow I have surgery, and I have four kids and a full-time job, and um, I should not have cancer because I have no family history, but I do. So if anyone's on the line and has procrastinated, their um, mammograms or cancer checks that let me be a warning call to go in for early detection. But fortunately, I have really good cancer. It's detectable and treatable. But, um, I, you know, I still have a somewhat uncertain road ahead, but good first step tomorrow getting the surgery done. Anyway, I say this just really to say that my life is certainly not in my control now. And um, I always had trouble with the, like, the selfishness aspect of this program because I felt like I had credentials of not being selfish. I did a year of volunteer work at a homeless shelter after college. I left a really lucrative job to be a child prosecutor, a child abuse prosecutor as a lawyer instead of the corporate practice, which I'd been in. Like, I thought I had, I had good street credentials on um, service, and I'm raising reasonably nice kids to people other than their parents when we're asking them to do stuff. So I felt like I was kind of innately a kind person. But um, my eating is unbelievably selfish. And that's what drives me more than anything else in my day is the desire to eat. And when I'm in the food, I've got nothing for anyone else. And I don't have enough for my job. I don't have anything for my marriage. I don't have anything for my kids. It is all about food. It is all about getting the next hit. So while um, while there are other aspects of my personality that might have some laudable features, at root I'm an addict, and when I'm eating, it is all about me and all about my next hit. And what I do know is that um, I try to take this diagnosis and find comfort in quote unquote abstinent foods. I haven't eaten flour and sugar for four years, but. I tried to solve this cancer issue with a bag of rice cakes and some extra nuts or some extra fruit servings or whatever. And it all it does is it just lets me check out of life. And I know that that's not what my higher power wants and demands of me. And there is a way to be happy, joyous, and free in this program that I hear every day. And thank you for those who share. But it isn't found in the cupboard and it's not found in the refrigerator. So at this juncture in my life, I've got nothing relative to control over what's going to happen tomorrow or the next day. But I do have a decision that I'm going to make today about committing my food, being honest with my sponsor, 
and trying to live in accordance with God's will for me. And for that, I'm so grateful that there's a path forward in life, even when challenges lie ahead. So thank you for everyone's service, for your absence, for your sharing. And I wish all a wonderful day. Thanks. Thanks so much. Our thoughts and prayers go with you tomorrow. Definitely. Okay. Uh, Liz T., I think you're going to be our last share. Royce, I'm sorry. Maybe we can get you to share on the second hour. Okay, Liz, please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Thanks, everybody, for your service. This is Liz T. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Minnesota. And um, just looking at this paragraph this morning, you know, I'm I'm always reminded that um, or I always think back to when I first came in into the rooms, and I I didn't know that I was the pro- part of the problem um, of my compulsive overeating. It was like, you know, if if you had my life, you would need to eat like this too. You know, if, if everybody else would just do what I think and do what I say, life would be great. You know, I had that delusion that that um, my eating was everybody else's fault and I wouldn't need to be so overweight and so unhappy and miserable if things would just go my way. And what a relief when I got, you know, farther into the step work and realized, I remember the first time I read this part of the chapter and I just was blown away. I was like, wow, you know, what usually happens, the show doesn't come out very well. You know, when I'm trying to run my life and run my script and I'm so out of alignment with my higher power that it's not even funny. I mean, it's, 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 it was a sad, it was a sad state of affairs. Um, and so looking at this, you know, I think back to when I first came in and I just wanted your diet, just tell me what to do. And thank you very much. I'll be, you know, in the door and back out the door as quickly as I can. And here I am, you know, um, seven years later, um, knowing this is, I have nowhere else to go. This is the last house on the block. And this is where I have found the most peace, serenity, and freedom that I ever could have ever imagined. And that's a thanks to the spiritual awakening that's promised to us if we work the program. And um, also the lack of power, that was our dilemma. We were told that on page 45 back in We Agnostics. And that combination of lack of power and my deep root of selfishness, self-centeredness, um, the roots of fear, resentment, self-pity, um, that combination really, you know, put me in this great scenario to be an addict, along with my allergy, um, physical allergy, and my um, mental obsession. I mean, it just was the perfect storm, right? So. Today, I am grateful to have a program and a a way of living that really works and um, that it wasn't just a little food problem like like I thought it was um, and that I learned a new way of living that really works. So with that, I will pass. Thanks, everybody. Thank you so much, Liz. I have one minute left. Royce, if you'd like to share for one minute, you're welcome. Um, good morning, everybody, and thank you, Reader, for your service and for everybody who makes the meeting happen. Um, I, boy, this this paragraph hit me um, right between the eyes because I'm almost 50, and my whole life has been that it was everyone else's fault, and I'm a victim, and it was how I was raised, and it was my parents. And this past year, my soon-to-be ex-husband went away to rehab 
for alcohol and drugs and came back and had an affair and fell in love with somebody at the AA meeting and left my daughter and I. And it's only through this program that I've been able to maintain a friendship and really see my part and my selfish and self-centeredness throughout the entire marriage. Um, and um, if this had happened five years ago before I came into OA or two years ago, um, I would hate him and resent him and it would continue to eat me up for the rest of my life. But I just, boy, the selfish self-centeredness part that governed my life for so many years, when it was everybody else's problem, what they did to me, it's incredible to come to know God in this way and to realize, hey, a lot of this was my fault. I make my own messes. I mean, I, I, I create problems that wouldn't have been problems. And I have a huge part in this, no matter how it looks from the outside, being married to the addict, being cheated on. And yeah, but I had a big part in all that too. So I thank you. Everyone have a blessed day. Um, I pass. Great way to end. Thank you so much, everyone who shared. Would you please join us for another second awesome unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. The share ID for today, Thursday, June the 3rd, 2021, is 17,069. That's 17069. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Deanna P., could you please read that for us? Sure thing. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.